colonial style house with three light-filled bedrooms, spacious living room, kitchen toilet. Where's the toilet? The kitchen toilet. Why do you keep putting those two words together? Fuck. Damn it. Interesting. We're getting evicted. We have four weeks. What's that packing? No, wait. Evicted? You beautiful people? This beautiful home? Makes me sick. Oh, sweetie, you made it. Well, you can always stay on the couch here. What if we stay together? We can't stay, we're being evicted. Not stay together here, stay together somewhere else. Because we're friends. Hey! Wait, are you seeing other people? I just don't think we're ready to live together. What are you gonna miss most about this place? The rent. So damn cheap. What about you? You. I can't go back. There is no place for me to hide. What do you need most? Stars or money? They're not homes. They're not even houses. They're just another commodity to be bought, sold, and traded. Both. What if I can't dance? Oh, everyone can dance. But you're right. Not everyone's got the moves. All I want is a home. Bit of a stage, you know, I just settle for a house. Hello! Come in. Welcome to your new home. A kitchen toilet. Uh, great space saver. Good for stomach bugs. I don't think this is going to work for us. That's the trailer for Evicted, a modern romance. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by filmmakers Rowan Devereaux and Sophie Savile to discuss two of their new films, feature film Evicted, a modern romance, a comedy which follows a group of friends on a seemingly futile hunt for an affordable share house in Sydney, and Inspire Me, a documentary short following Madeline Stewart's quest to become the most inspirational disabled person ever. I won't go into too much detail about Rowan and Sophie here because we do discuss their filmmaking backgrounds at the beginning of this interview, but Evicted, A Modern Romance is the first feature film for the creative duo. Both Evicted, A Modern Romance and Inspire Me will screen at Cinefestos from Wednesday the 24th of August. For those elsewhere around the country, you can keep up to date with future screenings via cinemaaustralia.com.au. Anyway, enjoy. Rowan and Sophie, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Um, This is a slightly different podcast episode for me because instead of talking about one film in particular, we're going to be discussing two films here. Uh, the feature film Evicted, A Modern Romance, and short film Inspire Me. Firstly, congratulations on these two films. They both complement each other in different ways, and uh, I enjoyed watching them back-to-back, actually. It was a good experience. Um, Evicted is packed to the brim with uh, these quirky characters and great comedy moments, and Inspire Me is much more grounded in reality. Uh, So congratulations again. 
Thank you. We should probably release them as a double feature or double. <laughs> a double bill. Double yeah. bill, yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever considered doing that? I reckon they'd play really well together. Well, now you've mentioned it. <laughs> Not a bad yeah. idea. DVD release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm really excited about uh, getting stuck into this and, and talking about these two films. But as usual with this podcast, I quite often start by getting uh, my guests to tell us a bit more about themselves, especially if they're a first-time feature filmmaker, uh, you know, like both of you two are. Uh, Rowan, I want to start with you. I was excited to read that you were born in Perth, which is where I'm from and where I'm based at the moment. Um, is that where your journey began as a filmmaker? Yeah, absolutely. Always a Perth boy. Yeah, I um I lived, I was um I grew up kind of beach bar area in Perth. And yeah, essentially I wanted to do film from from the get-go. That's kind of um what I've always kind of moved towards. I'm the eldest of six. Uh I have five younger siblings. Right. So um I made a decision about five years ago to move over to Sydney to study at afters um, and also to get away from all my siblings, just a little <laughs> bit of distance. And yeah, that's kind of, it was, it kind of started in Perth, but I kind of hit a, hit a roof in Perth and then I kind of moved over and I'm hope, hoping to kind of move back and do my next feature in WA. That's the dream anyway. Oh, fantastic. And when you say you hit a roof in Perth, what do you mean by that? Did you feel like there was nowhere uh, further to go as far as filmmaking? Yeah, well, just because what the kind of stuff I wanted to do, it was also, it was a few years ago, it was a different kind of time. I originally wanted to study film at FTI, if yep. you remember FTI. Yep. I think I applied, I got in, and then it all got shut down. Yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of like, I was like, I was going to do a six-month course there, and so just a few weeks before it started, there was all that kind of like changing of funding, uh, of the funding around that, and they kind of shut down. So I decided to apply for afters instead yeah. um, because I was doing kind of, you know, uh, videography and I was working some shorts, but I kind of needed a little bit more experience kind of in development to take the next step, and so I had to uh, apply to afters. Yeah. And yeah, that was a big loss for Perth to to lose FTI. Um, so mm -hmm. I understand completely why someone would want to go to uh, to afters. Um, was that a rewarding experience for you studying at afters? Yeah, absolutely. Like kind of um, I did two years. The second year was uh, postgraduate screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the people I met there, I still work with to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I think it's less about the course. It was kind of like my my peers that I met. Um, I met my DOP there. I met my co-writer there. I met kind of everyone I worked with except for Sophie there. Right. Wow. There you go. Um, uh, Sophie, you had much more of an international upbringing. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So I guess Ron and I had very different upbringings. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, as, as a kid, I sort of, I always say I was a bit of a third culture kid. So I grew up sort of half in Australia and half um, internationally because um, my mum worked for the government. So I was in and out of Australia a lot, um, going to international schools and then coming back here to go to sort of public schools. So mm -hmm. um, it was a, you know, a unique childhood. Um, uh, but, you know, I wouldn't change it. Um, wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I yeah. guess um, Sophie's 
a daughter of a diplomat <laughs> and I'm a son of a tradie. <laughs> and I'm an only child as well. Yeah. So no, very different. Very different life experiences. And your mum may be a spy. My mum might be a spy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that on the podcast. The joke growing up. She might be, I don't know. Yeah, who knows. Um, considering that you grew up in, in uh, quite a few different countries, were you taking notice of the different film cultures at the time and, and how, uh, how things worked? I would like to say yes. <laughs> um, but... Look, not really, but I always had a passion for um for making videos in school. Like I was always the kid that had the Sony Handycam um, in my hand. I'd, you know, make my friends do music videos in the school holidays and I'd do all like the uh, end of year graduation videos and things like that. So I know I always had a, a passion for it um, from a very early age. And so when I left high school, everyone was like, you know, um, you know, do what you love, do what your passion is. And I was like, oh, I guess I like filming stuff. Yeah. So um, I kind of pursued that at uni and I went to um, University of Technology here in Sydney. Great, great. Yeah, more often than not, filmmakers will tell us that they grew up with a camera attached to themselves at all time. Um, <laughs> like you've just said, what kind of things were you uh, were you shooting and filming? Oh, like really amateur basic stuff, but um, a lot of it was just like fun, like music videos that I'd make. Um, and then because I did travel a lot when I lived overseas, I would make little travel videos as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually got some great footage on some really, really old hard drives of like yeah. Vietnam and Thailand and Europe um, when I just would just film everything on my holidays. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the uh, the big question next is, is how did you two meet? We there's the sexy version and the not so sexy version oh interesting Uh, we met at a bar (laughs) (laughs) technically yeah we met at a bar um but uh it was actually through we were were both working at a co-working space called vibe wire back in 2015 and they had like a meetup night um for everyone to meet in the space and uh we met at this meetup night which was at a bar (laughs) and then from there i guess we we were both working out of this co-working space um doing our own sort of freelance videography work and Ron was making films, short films. And then over the years, we kind of started working on our creative projects together and the corporate work as well um, until it sort of came to a head where we um, had an opportunity to make a TV commercial um, through one of my clients. And we kind of got together and got a crew and crew and cast together. Rowan wrote the script um, and we made these three TV ads. Um, we really had no idea what we were doing at the time, but we just we just went along with it because it was such a big opportunity for us. And then, I don't know, we kind of looked at each other and thought, hey, yeah. maybe we should make like a, a production company out of this. Like we kind of seem to do a good job at it. So we gave yeah. it a go and that's kind of how the story mill was born. Yeah. What's well, so the just, entire story? Well, there's more to it. How did you, what did you first think of me when we met? Oh, <laughs> Rowan loves this. I remember, I remember the moment I met Rowan and he came out of this elevator and um, he took off his, his glasses. And I remember thinking, oh, this guy, like, <laughs> like not my kind of guy. We're not going to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Eight years later. <laughs> We're still here, yeah. Uh, you just mentioned then that you started uh, that production company called The Story Mill and, and there's, a, there's a real, um, you know, mixture of corporate work and creative work there. Uh, how, do you two, how would you two say that you complement each other creatively? Um, yeah, complimenting is... Yeah is our skills definitely do complement each other and I think that's why we work so well together salt vinegar salt vinegar um yeah well you know Rowan's background is more screenwriting and directing and mine's was more sort of producing Mm. 
Um, and so, and, and I guess I'm more sort of, I would like to say the the front end of the business. I'm very, <laughs> I love, I love networking. I love meeting people. Um, so I guess so the more outgoing one and yeah. Rowan's behind <laughs> the scenes working away yeah. at all. <laughs> Although and over the years we kind of switched. It's weird. And we it's kind not, of become, yeah. I guess more, I'm the cynical one. You're the optimistic one. <laughs> but over the years you become more cynical and I become more optimistic. Rubbing up on each yeah. other. <laughs> Um, is that because you're dealing with the money side of it as well as the producer? You become uh, more cynical? Yeah, to an extent, yeah, because I, I tend to do the budgeting, which is always a cynical experiment. Um, yeah, it's an interesting mix because we kind of we do swap quite a bit. Yeah. We're kind of unique in that way. Like I'll, I directed Evicted, Sophie directed um, Inspire Me. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of switch, like, I guess it's like, it's about how much the percentages of what we do. Like Sophie does more producing and I do more writing directing, but that's not entirely true in every project and it kind of goes back and forth. So, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say we, we don't work in sort of maybe the conventional way, of, yeah. especially on a film shoot with director, producer, like our roles kind of merge into merge in together sometimes. And I, I think a lot of just got to get done. People um, struggle with that sometimes on a set. Yeah. They're like, who am I talking, um, which one's directing or who am I, who's the producer? Who am I talking to yeah. on certain things? And um, yeah, like people that have worked with us now get it. They know how we work. We're, we're not. Yeah. Stuck, mm. stuck to those roles, which kind of makes it fun too. That you can yes, yeah, swap yeah. and change and do something more creative or do something a bit more. And I think it's indicative of of making films. Like mm. there is a love. Like we when we did Peach, we said created by Rowan and Sophie, and that confused everybody. Yeah, <laughs> especially when we we got um nominated for awards and stuff but like that. It's really clear what the breakdown of the roles were, but yeah. it's. It's quite a collaborative, like filmmaking is everyone puts into it. If you have a good team, you're all working on it. And the roles kind of merge after a while. They kind of all should, they become malleable. And I guess that like sometimes I'm producing, sometimes Sophie's directing and we can switch during productions, which is um, an interesting. Which which works in our favour too. It's great that we can just swap roles. two people and different stuff. And when stuff happens, we can handle different uh, departments of it. But yeah, it does make it a bit weird. In the film industry, they love talking about the director being the only yes. person that really matters and yeah. the focus on that. But realistically, it's it's a team effort and um, it should really be created by, like, you know, a group of people. Yeah, um, yeah. You uh, you've roles. explained that. You've explained that very well because I do quite often wonder, you know, when people have such a tight collaborative uh, working relationship like you two do, how can you have just one person credited as director and one person credited as, as producer? Um, you, you've explained that very well there. Um, mm. So so take us back to the beginnings of Evicted. Uh, how did this one come about? There's a few different things. There's a few different genesis involved. I think, um, well, first off, there was a bit of personal experience. I kept getting evicted. <laughs> there was a period of time where every house I moved into was knocked down or renovated to build a townhouse. Mm. Um, but kind of like the, the, the nugget of the idea was, is between like evic- eviction two and three, um, I remember going to a party and talking to people and, you know, that was just what was going on in my life. So it's all going, oh, we're going to fix it again. And everyone had a similar experience. Everyone in our age, we've had this kind of, they all knew what we were talking about. They'd all gone through it and they had this kind of like um, sort of generational change. And so that kind of what inspired me, the right, it was, it wasn't just a singular experience. It was a, it was a, um, a larger experience that kind of people at our age group, like my parents, got a house, had kids, 
um, got a house by the time they're 30. I'm past my 30s. I'm into my mid-30s now, scarily enough. And I'm still renting. I'm still share housing. And that kind of like, that's unique. And that's never happened before. And I thought that would be an interesting way of talking about the experience of young people in a different way. It's different. People have written about this stuff in the past, but I think what's happening now is very unique. Yes. Um, yeah. It's never really been this way. Most people, you know, got married, had kids by 30, and then they were kind of like adults now, while the, everyone in our sort of our social group or our level are still kind of like still trying to, you know, the houses just get keeping more and more expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and that was the other thing I thought was really interesting was that when we rented to new houses, the prices would go up, mm. but the quality of, the, of uh, living standards would go down, which yeah. I thought was a very interesting kind of like bell curve mm. to write about. Mm. Uh, Sophie, was there anything you want to add to that? Um, I mean, I, I've I've been evicted. <laughs> I, mm. I, I've just actually recently moved um, to a new place and the house hunting was, I felt like I was living evicted mm. and just going to these places and there's just lines and lines of people for this one, you know, tiny apartment and it's extortionate prices. And I remember asking like the real estate agent of one of them, like, you know, what's a good application and what's going to make a strong application to get this great place. Yeah, And he just, he just, <laughs> just turned around and said, offer more. That's it. <laughs> I was like, great. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. It's really like that's perpetuating the problem of very illegal too. It's very illegal. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And of of the rental crisis and what it's like yeah. to be a young person living in a big city. But I think yeah, it's a really relatable film, and that's why so many people love it. Especially you know millennials and our demographic. Everyone's rented, but the the crisis of the past few years. Mm. Um, to be able to watch it in a comedic light, yeah. I think people yes. really appreciate it. Yeah, and yeah, I feel like the overall theme of the film is not so much about evictions and housing it's about technology which is kind of the other thing i really wanted to touch on was how like over the last decade since the iphone has come out like our lives have been completely re rewritten by technology in good and bad ways and there's not really much it just kind of happened we yeah. just kind of accepted it mm. um and i wanted to kind of touch on how that affects like people's dating lives uh people's housing and like people's employment and just how things are really like yeah just how um how culture's really changed around that and where everyone's just like, yep, yeah, that's the way it is now. No one really kind of like comments on it or sort of mm. I think I think dating is the one that most people comment on, but also yes. employment. I think yeah. the employment stuff is so interesting. How the gig eye things everything becoming a gig, everyone yeah. becoming like a sole trader, they're kind mm. of their own boss. Yeah. Um, everything, even down to food, you know, with yeah. the eats and um yeah, so it's, it's an interesting, yeah, just the change around, yeah, deliver food delivery and just all the the rating stuff that I find super weird. And that was something I also found out. I think there's a fake website um for called Rentist um in the in the film. And it's based on a real website. We actually had to put in our personal details and we got like a rating on how good we were as a, a potential applicant, which was interesting. Mm. Is that real? Is that is that yeah. a real website? That is real, like space of a real website no well the funny thing was i kind of the the text i just <laughs> modified it from the real website yeah yeah fundamentally a lazy writer so i just took what they wrote and it's just like this is gold yeah <laughs> i just yeah. i just altered it slightly but yeah it was it's a real website and you get like a rating based on um how how good you would be as an not based on like not knowing you or anything individually yeah. it's all based yeah. on like your job history, your your wage, your kind yeah. of references, all this kind of stuff. 
That's um, kind of sick, really, isn't it? Because you know, it's 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 a human being's fundamental right to you know to have shelter over their head. Um, and now it's all based on you can get a number and like, oh well, you know, Sophie was great, but she's only seventy five, and Rowan's an eighty, so <laughs> it's all with storylines like that too. Yeah, lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. I, that came about from like an Uber driver. I remember he was telling me once he was like saying, if if he doesn't get five stars, it's not worth his time because mm-hmm. like it's so like four apparently in the threes and fours, which is good or great. Yeah, uh, it's considered death for Uber drivers, which is oh. insane to me. Like four and four, you have to, to start. Yeah, so four point one is like a disaster, and five is good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you two start working uh, on this film? Did you have COVID interruptions and things like that, as everyone seems to at the moment? Yeah, we kind of, we were just before COVID, I think we'd, we'd written a script or were developing the script. So the year before COVID, mm-hmm. um, COVID was an interruption. There was kind of a weird moment where I was thinking of shelving it during COVID because no one was having all these issues being irrelevant. <laughs> <Everyone's dropped. laughs> um and it was so interesting. We went forward and made it. And then by the time we got to the, uh, it came out, it became the most important subject in the Very world again. again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it could not be a more timely film, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we spent, we had a, we, um, during the first lockdown, um, just for your audiences in WA, we had, there was two lockdowns here. There was like the, the first one that everyone kind of went through. There was kind of like, fake lockdown and then we had the hardcore real one last year so we were developing we were finishing the script trying to find money during the first lockdown we shot the film between those two lockdowns yeah and then we edited during the second one so it's kind of we had this amazing run run where we kind of actually we didn't have to shoot during um COVID we were kind of that weird period of time where it kind of like it, it eased up quite a bit Mm-hmm. So you've said that the stories within the film are all based on real stories told by real people. Does that mm. mean that the uh, the kitchen toilet is a real thing? <laughs> so that's a weird one. I wrote, I made that up as a fictional idea, right. um, and I remember writing it up like it's too far. No one put a toilet in a kitchen. And then I went to an in- inspection like a week or two later, yeah. and I was kind of like I was in the kitchen and I opened the pantry, and instead of there being shelves, there was a toilet within like two feet of the yeah. of the oven yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I was like maybe I haven't gone far enough so yeah that was one that I wrote beforehand and turned out I was just like I was behind the times yeah yeah um so, so tell us about the set of that um of that kitchen toilet uh, did you guys have to put that in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes we, we we added that yeah there was no toilet in that kitchen yeah, yeah. We, we brought it in we it's a yeah. self-made kitchen toilet yeah but, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm asking here because you're probably not going to believe this story, but I grew up in a house with a kitchen toilet. <laughs> so no, when I, I believe, saw this toilet in the kitchen, <laughs> um, wow. it's, it's kind of really hard to explain, but it was a, it was quite a large kitchen space. But the, the, yeah, like the pantry area did have a toilet in it and that was where the toilet was. My parents were very, very quickly to knock it out and, and <laughs> renovate the area. But, um, yeah, I grew up with a, with a kitchen toilet, so... <laughs> Was, did you say there was your there you your pantry was in there as well? No, no, it was kind of like a pantry space that had ah, the toilet in right. it. Yeah, yeah. So if you could imagine <laughs> a pantry, exactly, pretty much exactly what you've described there. I wonder if it's more common than we think. I don't know. I just feel like I, I would prefer a pantry to a toilet in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. But the amount of people we've spoken to, even some of the actors, they're like, 
who had also been house hunting recently. One of them was like, yeah, I I found on the kitchen toilet in the house that I was inspecting the other day. They're everywhere. (laughs) Unreal. I wonder if it was a certain time period that that happened. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Um, uh, th- there are so many houses and locations featured in the film. Was the shoot as sprawling as it looks and as it comes across on screen? And more. And <laughs> yes. More. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, basically, we shot a lot of my friends' houses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all real inner west houses in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, and any free space we could get, essentially, um, and anyone that would agree for me to film in their house. Um, and you know, the joke is, well, not so much a joke, but now they're all talking to me again. But yes. there was um there was a time there where I had um thought I'd ruined a few friendships by by um sort of getting my friends to allow 30 people in the middle yeah. of pandemic um yes. to film in their house and uh would just say, here's some money for the movies, don't come back until I tell you to come back. Yes. Um, yeah. because you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh so yeah it, it was a lot to ask but we couldn't have done it without some of our like our generous um friends who who allowed us to film in their pla- in their homes but it also adds the authenticity of of the inner west in sydney and you know what these small tiny um shoeboxes of places that we all live in yes yes that's right uh, Ron, why do i feel like you've got more to add to that <laughs> <laughs> um no well i think sophie kind of said everything but yeah it is that kind of like is that experience where people don't understand what filmmaking's like and they're yeah. always like, if you go out, don't come back. Don't they're always like, Oh, can I see a little bit? Like, you, you don't, don't want to be <laughs> you don't. you'll yeah. come back and it'll look fine, like, oh, what nothing happened. But when we're, you know, furniture's getting moved, stuff is like tons of people. Yeah. It's quite um, overwhelming if you yeah. see that in your house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like I said, you don't want to be here for the making of a sausage. Just enjoy <laughs> it at the end. Yeah. yeah. And and everyone, you know, once we hit the festival and all my friends came, all our friends came and saw the film and I get to see their their houses on the big screen. It's all yeah. kind of worth it. They then. love it. Yeah. Yeah, they all love it. Yeah. <laughs> so has it changed the way you're thinking about your next film? Or are you thinking of like just the you know, a two-hander in in one set? Okay. <laughs> Look, I can't do them. I've tried. <laughs> I think it gives yeah. me more budget next time, so we don't have to yeah. um, beg, borrow, and steal. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm always trying. Yeah, that's the thing I always think about. Originally, I was going to just do a two-handed for my first feature, but it just, you know, I just can't do it. I kind of like. I, it was really important to us because it's a low indie. It's a low budget indie film. Um, it, we really wanted to. F- feel like a real film mm. we wanted it to kind of feel like you can it goes places it's not just set in one house it feels like how is. people live their lives that you run into a lot of people in your day-to-day life yeah. and we wanted to have that expansive feel to it mm. um and yeah I, i'm always i always struggle i always like end up writing bigger films than i probably should <laughs> yeah and and <laughs> you're right like... about um you know that sprawling nature of this film because not only is it the the amount of houses and locations that you have in it but also the amount of characters um is, is quite large as well I'm, I'm curious to know about the casting here because you do have so many characters uh can you tell us a bit about that the main cast um are really cast and now our friends who we've worked with in on in the past on other um projects so mm. we kind of all kind of knew, knew them fairly well we know each other works mm. and I think it's very common you know when you find good actors and people you work well with you mm. use them again mm. um they're all very talented as well. Yeah, we. Uh, I wrote 
Amanda, I wrote Maggie in mind for Amanda. Mm. Um, so she was always like, well, I built it around. Will was also, Will and Amanda, the, Will and Maggie, those two characters were written around those actors. Mm. And uh, Rose would work through in the past, but we didn't have her in mind for Isabel originally. Well, but we're thinking, we're about, thinking it. about it. We yeah. think for her as a waitress at one stage, but yeah. yeah, she ended up just being like the best. So we know that three other four actors would work or in the past yeah yeah um, we knew and, a lot of the actors already some yeah. are just friends who just yeah. came into yeah. a little cameo role as well yeah um and then just lots of casting i think we did a few weeks of casting yeah lots of auditions and casting yeah. we went yes. through a lot but um i think yeah we just we found an amazing cast and crew to work on this project that yeah. you know everyone just was in the same sort of frame of mind and I always say we're in the middle of a pandemic. People didn't have too much on. Yeah. So everyone's yeah. keen to get involved <laughs> to make a feature film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So everyone had just you know, a great attitude to to make this happen. We couldn't have done it if we had, you know, lots of egos on set or, yeah. you know, just mm. had to make it work. Mm. Yeah, the cast is absolutely terrific. Uh, you know, they really do make this film, but there's a lot of uh, laugh out loud moments, you know, because of the quality of acting that you have here. Um, but you both co-wrote the film, uh, so I'm curious to know, because I've spoken to a few comedy writers lately, and uh, I spoke to one recently who told me that she finds it incredibly difficult to write something that's perceived as being funny. So quite often what she'll do is write drama intended as comedy mm-hmm. because dramatic moments can be just as funny. Um, can you tell us about uh, co-writing the film and and whether writing comedy is something that comes naturally to you both? Yeah, so I guess I've always kind of uh, moved towards comedy as kind of in my main kind of focus. Yeah. I think from my point of view, I don't I feel like there's no difference between drama and comedy. It's just how the characters react to it. Yes, yes. Um, and I also think that, yeah, like like that person saying, like yeah, the most dramatic moment is actually kind of quite com- comedic if you think about it from a certain point of view. Yeah. Um, I was kind of the main, so the way we kind of split this writing project I was the one who did all the physical writing yeah. uh and so I think we kind of it was just me well it's really you and Ash yeah Ash and then right I, I I wasn't really a writer on this I just well, I story guess some of my story yeah. formed yes I can I guess it comes down to like uh talk about like all working on it together is that I would do the physical writing and Ash and Sophie would be kind of like um helping with me with ideas and feedback and stuff like that and mm. I'll kind of add it to the script um so yeah it's that's how yeah so it's usually just me physically in a room and then I would we would have some pages or like a draft and then we'll kind of go through it and change stuff back and forth yeah yeah um that would kind of influence the film and then also the actors as well some some of the stuff changed because of actors suggestions and that kind of got added in the last moment a little bit of improv things yeah yeah Yeah. oh fantastic so you allowed uh, improvisation uh during the shoot yeah yeah there's um there's always I have to go back to the original script to work out what was added and what wasn't. Yeah. But for example, the actor who played Marcus, um, who sorry, um, James who plays Marcus, originally in that scene with the um, uh, at the bar, his his hero was just a football player. Yes, and I remember we were doing. It was, I think I wrote uh, Peter Matera, who's a West Coast player. Yeah, and we were kind of in uh, rehearsals. He's just like, I don't think he would be that into. <laughs> I don't think he'd be that into a football. It's like, I think it should be his dad. (laughs) And that's where that came from. And that kind of like fed into the rest of the thing that we kind of worked out this. He had this kind of like uh, relationship with his his sort of absent father, um, which really played into the next thing because he goes to his his mother's funeral. And there's no father figure there. Mm. His dad's just kind of like this sort of 
absolutely yeah the sort of hand across his back but you never kind of see him mm. yeah yeah uh, wonderful uh, uh sophie would you say rowan's a funny guy in real life uh, <laughs> is his comedy going to... <laughs> funny ha ha or just funny <laughs> weird funny i prefer witchy yeah i would say witty. rowan's probably one of the wittiest people i know he's very funny very talented yes, yes. <laughs> Um, uh, so uh, Evicted premiered at the Sydney Film Festival recently where it won the Audience Choice Award for Best Feature Film. That's huge. It, it really is huge for, for an independent film like this. Um, what, what did that award mean to you guys? Um, it's just Everything. Yeah, it was a great ending because <laughs> yeah. that was kind of like we, um, we made the film in mind for audiences and that's kind of why, we wanted, why I wanted to do a comedy because I think they just connect quite well. Mm. I think you can talk about stuff you can't really talk about in like if, it's, if, the, if the film's too heavy. Mm. Uh, which, so it's a great sort of validation of, of the project in general because that's who we wanted. We don't want to win. Um, well, look, we wouldn't mind an Oscar. <laughs> just putting it out there. But I, I want to win audiences. Like that's yeah. the thing. We want to film that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, you know, great validation for us that we had a big audience that mm. liked it enough to vote for it, come along. Yes. Um, I think a lot of um, sort of an ongoing issue is a lot of films in the Australian market are kind of made for other filmmakers mm. to an extent uh, and they're not really for, like, general audience consumption and that was very important to me. It's like, no, I want a film that's just, like, fun, that people can really enjoy uh, and it doesn't really, it's not trying to say anything too deep. You were so right there, Ron, because one of my biggest criticisms of um, the Australian film industry sometimes is that there's too many people out there making movies for themselves and they, they tend to forget about the audience sometimes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you're right there. Uh, the Sydney Film Festival attracts huge audiences. What, what was the screening like? Uh, was it a big crowd? It was amazing, yeah. yeah. We sold out. Uh, three screenings three in the screenings. end. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they were yeah. all sold out? Oh, there's a few cool. seats in the last one. Okay, but right, yeah, right. Like, they were all pretty full. Definitely, screenings. first one was sold out, and the second one was sold out. What was the reaction like from audiences? Because you would have done a Q and A afterwards, uh, where you get because it's set in Sydney. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people there who related to it. Were you getting interesting feedback and questions from the crowd? Yeah, yeah. It, it was especially when we had um, our second screening at the Ritz here in Sydney. We had a it was like a big cast and crew screening, so. Yeah. The energy in the room was was high and all our friends and family coming mm. along. Um, but, yeah, I feel like a lot of people ask about all different things about the film and the making of it and the music, the soundtrack, a lot of people ask about that. Mm. Um, but it was, yeah, a great energy and it was good that, you know, to to sort of give back and tell people the, how, we, how we made it, the making yeah. of. We also got some great press in Sydney um, in the lead-up to the festival we were in the um sydney morning herald and they did an article on us and were on a few radio stations as well so i think we we got a bit of buzz happening around the film um mm. at the time so i think a lot of people also heard about that through those um media outlets and and came to see it and were interested in seeing it yeah yeah that's true yeah. it's great to hear so the film uh, screened at sydney and then it's off to cinefest next um following that is because Sophie I remember when you first got in touch you said that the film uh, didn't have a distributor yet uh, are there any plans for for a wider release uh I mean yes that's the plan we yeah. are we're now in talks with a few distributors and sales agents yes. um around selling the film yeah. um and that's you know this is our first feature this is a 
a whole new ball game for us, um, understanding how you sell a feature because we've just done shorts in the past and you don't really sell shorts or get no. distributors attached. So we're learning as we go, <laughs> yeah. um, which has been a very interesting experience. Um, and, yeah, our dream is to get a distributor attached and, uh, you know, show it around Australia, show it around the world, um, and then eventually get it to um, – some of the streaming platforms yes yeah we're, i think it would play very well on on the uh, on the streaming platforms um yeah. so let's move on to uh, the short film inspire me and i adore this film it's it's funny oh. and uh, <laughs> and that's mostly due to uh, madeline stewart who has such a likable presence on screen there's something about her she just like she bursts through the screen when you're watching <laughs> her um, I want to see more of her on Australian television, actually, because she's such a great personality. Um, mm. be before we get into it, can you describe the actual documentary for us? What's it about? Uh, so Inspire Me, it's a, it's a comedic documentary. Um, and it's essentially talking about um, the relationship between disability and inspiration yes. and inspiration porn. Um, which is something that Madeline was really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, um, and she was talking to us about it. And um, so we decided that we wanted to, you know, it, things are always best told through, I think, comedy. And because she's a stand-up comedian, yeah. um, she wanted to tell, to just sort of discuss this issue through comedy. So mm -hmm. she's on a journey to become the most inspirational disabled person there is, which yeah. <laughs> is uh it's a Paralympian so yes. she she's on a journey to become a Paralympian and she speaks to Paralympians and other people from the dis um, dis disability community yes. um, about yeah. what it takes and what it means to be inspirational and why is she you know it's a bit of a journey of self-discovery mm -hmm. um it's like why why do I need to be um inspirational or to be valid and Mm. Um, so that's what she kind of grapples with but through through comedy. And we got to interview some great Paralympians, Ellie Cole and um, Hannah Davini, who's a um, ad disability advocate and writer. An actor um, now. An actor. Yes. And she was just on Q&A yeah. the other day. So she's yeah. she is um, a powerhouse of a, of a woman. So it's really... Um, I want to say inspirational. No, okay. it was it was great to be able to meet meet her and, and talk to her about it. And she's just she's going places. So I think they really helped inform the the documentary. And it was it was a lot of fun to make as well. Yeah, yeah. Break down uh, this phrase inspiration porn for us because it might confuse a few people. Can can you just explain that a bit more? Yeah. So inspiration porn is um, basically when able bodied people use people with disability as a source of inspiration. Mm. Um, so we're objectifying them. Objectifying okay. them, essentially. So yeah. That's where the porn element comes into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you you know, you, you kind of see it a lot. Um, yeah. There was a lot of them were like these memes that uh, we found, Maddie and I found, where they were kind of like around the idea of just like, what's your excuse? And I'll have someone um, in a, a wheelchair. wheelchair Someone with one yeah. leg running a race. Um, in, in theory, it's quite positive, but you actually unravel what they're kind of saying. It's quite a, a nasty kind of reductive view mm, mm. and that's uh, and that's something Maddie really wanted to um to tackle yeah so how did Maddie come to your attention uh, how did you meet her how did you come across her we we knew Maddie we'd done a few other smaller projects she was her. in um she was in evicted, she, she was in evicted? yeah she's oh I didn't notice I didn't say why didn't I say that She's the um she's like uh housemate made terrible when May goes back to her it real house her yeah. right yeah. right yeah, it was all in the notes. <laughs> yeah, so she's um she was an evicted, and we yeah we done a few little things with her over COVID actually. Yeah, yeah. I did a, a stand up. I filmed a stand up set with Maddie um 
for a sort of online um, festival. Ah. Uh, and that was actually the first time I met her was that very weird thing where she was doing jokes to camera and no one could laugh because we couldn't. <laughs> weird with no, with no feedback, no more <laughs> feedback. Yes. Um, but we'd seen her doing her comedy around Sydney as well. I think it's yeah, seen her do stand-up. Uh, so we knew, we knew about her. Yes, yeah. Um, I feel like people featured in the film take an in- instant liking to Maddie. Would you say that that was the case? Is that what she's like in general? People just tend to warm to her? Yeah, absolutely. So, I- so yeah, she's a very likeable character, very likeable person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's just, you know, she's so funny. Yeah. She is acting. The character of Maddie in the film is different to Maddie, the yeah. real person. Yeah. Uh, Maddie in the film is a bit dumber shall we say or it's kind of self-aware like, I guess self-aware. that's why she's on this journey, she's on journey. of self-awareness um, yes. yeah but I think that was the interesting thing about that film was just like getting her to let it be herself on camera yeah. that's all you kind of needed yeah um has, has Madeline inspired you uh, personally in any way no she doesn't inspire me at all, <laughs> <She's not inspirational laughs> at all. We, don't, we don't find her inspirational <laughs> she's just kind of boring to the yeah. person <laughs> she's average yeah she's average she's average um just yeah a no normal, it was everyday person She's just your everyday comedian. <laughs> um, no, she. It was great. I think Ron and I learned a lot um, making this this documentary and learning a lot about the the um, thoughts and ideas around disability. Mm. And I think it's definitely changed our viewpoint on things. And mm. yeah, we like a good learning experience for us. And we're hoping the documentary does the same. Yeah. Um, when people watch it, I, I feel like there's a feature documentary here somewhere. Yeah, there could be, or a yeah, series, or I think it's a springboard into many other things that hopefully, like, again, maybe hopefully this gets picked up um, yes. and becomes something bigger yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot to explore there. And, and I think it's release. definitely with, Dylan, like, we tried to get Dylan Orcott in, um, oh, yeah. in the docker, but he's just, he's too big, he's too famous, <laughs> he's too busy. Um, he's we did try. Yeah. Couldn't touch him, but... Um, I think the first day we yeah. shot was the day he was announced as the yeah, so, of the year. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> Like, oh, disability is kind yeah. of the flavor of the year once he won Australian of the Year award. And, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a lot to explore, and hopefully, we see more of that yeah. and that on screen. Yeah. We, we cut it down. I think, like, what's the final running time? It's like 13 minutes. At one yeah. stage, it was like 20. And about had, 20 minutes. Yeah, we like, cut we have it a lot of, We have a lot of spare interviews, a lot of gold we had to kind of cut down. Yeah. So yeah. it was already, even in its short one, there was already quite a bit that ended up on the unfortunately on the cutting floor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You always talk about your director's cut. I wanted to direct this cut. It's just so much the cut. That was great content. Yeah. Did did you cut it back because you were aware of uh, you know the film festival kind of runtime and what, what film festivals prefer? Well why did you cut it down from 20 minutes? We had yeah we had to it was because... part of the program we were right, airing right. in that it yeah, needed okay. to be under 15. Yeah. Um and also you should always just try and like use your audience's time as 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 uh, succinctly as possible like mm. we always do try and cut everything down to like believe it or not people say if it's quite long but at one stage it was, we had an extra half an hour in there yeah really? it's always yeah. hard to <laughs> yeah kill your darlings yeah because um, yeah. what I, I think Victor's like one hour 50 ish now yeah. and yeah it was yeah. two a uh, first cut was two hours 20 mm-hmm. um and so we kind of yeah we cut it as much as we can until it starts to break that's yes. a, and the same thing with Spy Me, we kept cutting until it was like as distinct as it can be. And if we cut any more, it would start to go like 
not make any sense. Couldn't go any further, yeah. 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 Um, there's a scene during the film where uh, Madeline comes up with a uh, with various stories for how she lost her arm. The people yeah. she's telling them to really don't know how to act. It, it's, it's quite yeah. awkward on screen. Well, what was the atmosphere like for those people? Um, <laughs> interesting. It was, um, so we essentially just went to different locations and grabbed um, a few, just grabbed people on the street. Pops, yeah. yeah was... I th- the idea was to take them off, off oh, guard. Yeah. Yes. Um, and just see how people reacted um, off the cuff. And, yeah. yeah, you know, some people didn't know. And you can also see some people are trying to think of what the right thing to say to is, say. what they think the right thing to say is. Yeah, like there's a few people we cut because they just gave the most defensive, predictable answers. And you could just see they were just, like, trained, <laughs> which was interesting kind of like because, oh, we're going to take to talk to just random people in the public and get what people actually think. Yeah. And even then, they're so social media trained now, they knew exactly what they should and shouldn't say, yeah. but we're not being honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, for our listeners out there, all of the details about uh, both of these films will be uh, on cinemaaustralia.com.au so you can find out where you can see them. Um, I usually end this podcast by asking this same question to all of my guests. Um <laughs> Um, so basically what I want to ask you is, have you seen any Australian films lately that you've really enjoyed that have stood out for you? Oh, Sissy. Yeah. Yeah, Sissy. yeah actually Sissy was we great. Saw, um, that at Sydney Film Festival. Yes. Um, I haven't seen it, but I really want to see Bass and Dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I grew up around there, so I'm like, I know that area. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so, so you've been hearing the buzz about Bass and Dream, have you? Uh, yeah, I've been following it. Um, it played at Revelations, which yeah. I, I missed because I was here. And, yeah, I think there's there's a screening, but it's a day I'm flying out. So I've got to somehow find that film. I really want to see Bass and Dream. Dean, oh, yeah, Bass because it's on the, it's on the yeah. Sunday night uh, that you would be returning from Cinefest. Oz as well. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going on, like, lunchtime. And if I'd known, I would have extended it, but yes. there's no plans. But, yeah. Yeah. So if you're the filmmaker, reach out to me. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So going back to Sissy, what did you enjoy about that film? Because that, that's really uh, going so well on the film festival circuit at the moment. It's travelling all around the world. Uh, yeah, what was it about? Really well. Yeah. What was it about that one that you enjoyed? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a secret. I'll um, need my seat. <laughs> yeah, I think that was... Good Australian was, horror. Yeah, yeah well, it had such a great a tone to it and style and look um that's when we're talking about like Australian films being maybe aimed towards other filmmakers this one definitely had wasn't like that it had a very like very stylized an idea of what it wanted to be and what it wanted to kind of say yes um yeah and it was just it was fun it was funny it's a horror it's film fun. It's, it's, social media yes. element to yeah. it as well yeah. that was very interesting great performances yeah it's decent gore we, we yeah. got to meet the um the writers and directors at Sydney Film Festival mm. as well so yes. I think bit biased as well because yeah, yeah. They're, like they're great it was really good to connect with them and meet them and yeah. um support Hannah them and see it yeah, yeah they're, they're terrific, terrific people terrific um uh, uh oh, by the way this is out on halloween for people who are listening and they want to see it i think it's uh, opening on shutter on halloween um uh, thank you so much for joining the cinema australia podcast um i'm so grateful that you guys were willing uh, willing and able to share all of these stories with us uh, that's the point of this podcast is to collect as, as many australian filmmaking stories stories as we can and uh, you guys were very generous in sharing those so thank you very much thank you oh, thanks, thanks for having us. us loved it mm-hmm. 
Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.